Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi everyone, Tim Kitzer here from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you're listening to Growing Up the Same with Trayvon Edwards and Jason Madison. Boom shakalaka! And now, here's your starting lineup. Trayvon Edwards, Jason Madison. Boom shakalaka! And as our special guest, we have the other Trey, the, the legend Trey, Trey Kirby. What's going on? Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, legend. That's a, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but another tray, at least. Definitely. 
Trey Kirby is a Canadian podcaster and one of the co-hosts of the No Dunks podcast on The Athletic. And now it's time for the one or the two with Jay Skills. Podcast or broadcast? Ooh, ooh, it's tough. Um, I love the podcast. I'll be honest. Uh, we did a TV show for six years and it was awesome. It was so much fun making a TV show, but it's so much different. And, you know, a half hour TV show, you talk for 22 minutes, basically. When there's four guys doing it, that means you're talking for five minutes on a podcast. It can be as long as you want. You can do whatever you want. Uh, It can be different every single day. There's a lot of freedom in making a podcast, but I will say I get more nervous making a podcast as well. I feel like my pits are dripping all the time, flop sweat coming out like crazy. Meanwhile, when you're on TV, you're reading off of uh, your notes. You got B-roll covering up your face. People aren't seeing what you're saying, so you can just read it. It's It's a different game, no doubt about it, but man. Once you're flying free, recording live podcasts, uh, a little nerve wracking, but it's fun talk. Yeah, you can't. Uh, there's no room for error. There's no uh, <laughs> other takes <laughs> when you're yeah, doing exactly right. And if you say something dumb, uh, nobody feels bad about stopping the show to point out how you said something dumb. You know, we got yeah. more than enough time to clown on each other uh, when you're making a podcast. You're not wasting that time on a TV show. But uh, if you're going for an hour and a half, sure three minutes on somebody saying something silly of course we're gonna roast you indica or sativa (laughs) yeah yes yes (laughs) to both um i don't know uh to me i love a sativa i love it i love a floating feeling no doubt about it but sometimes it calls for an indica as well especially a little late night session am i right correct bill walton or marv albert Oh, Bill Walton, for sure. Um, that's one of the guys to me that, you know, I talked to my dad and he's been a basketball fan since the 1970s or whatever. And that's one of the guys that I wish I had actually got to see and play at their peak because now we've got Jokic whipping the ball around, you know, averaging close to 10 assists a game. There was a, a time where it looked like he might lead the league in assists. And obviously he's getting compared to Bill Walton as some of the greatest passing big men of all time. But there's not a whole bunch of Bill Walton footage out there on YouTube. Uh, you know, you'll see a couple of games here and there. You'll see the highlights from when he was at UCLA going 21 for 22 in the championship game, but you're not seeing the in and outs every day that you would see like in today's NBA, right? It's like we get people asking us who's a flashier passer already Lamelo or Jason Williams. I'm like, the only reason we're even asking this question at this point is because there are so many lost Jason Williams passes, right? Like there's a, how many assists were botched by Doug Christie missing the three, but the pass was ridiculous. Nowadays, we see every single LaMelo assist that's out there, every single fancy pass LaMelo throws. It's the same with Bill Walton to me. I'm sure he was throwing wicked passes like uh, Jokic back in the day, but we don't see him quite as much. That's a guy I would love to know how he was, how he's able to be still revered as one of the all-time greats when he went through so many injury problems during his career. He had a couple of incredible seasons. He won an MVP only playing 50 or 60 games. And they said he was still the best player in the league that year. So yeah, I would love to see how he had that impact as a guy who seemed to be like a great team center. Uh, I would love to see, I would have loved to have been around to see the way he was getting things done. For sure. Um, The Doug Christie reference took me back because me and my dad used to clown Doug Christie for his wife, Jackie, used to always uh, never let him be interviewed by a female reporter. And uh, th- there was one time, and she was literally standing right next to him. I check everything to make sure everything is <laughs> Yeah, you got to make sure. If you look like and it looks empty, that, that means he's 
done something while I was gone to himself. He wouldn't do it with anyone else. But if like, it looks yeah, you, if they're if they're not heavy, they have to be full. They're balls. Save it uh, for the pod. Doug Christie is coming on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Doug Christie's. He's great on the broadcast nowadays. I heard uh, there was like a Tyrese Halliburton. He hit a floater or something like that. And he hit a, his line was, he's got the rhythm and the blues. That's Tyrese. I was like, okay, okay, Doug Christie, a Tyrese reference. You got to pull it out. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, Doug Christie, those Kings teams, man. Everybody loved those Kings teams. Hilarious personalities all around. For sure. Uh, speaking of hilarious personalities, Chris Farley or Chris Rock? Oh, oh man. I don't know. It's, it's definitely different. If you asked me when I was 14 years old, I'm going Chris Farley all the way. Uh, Tommy boy, obviously a classic Beverly Hills Ninja, less of a classic, but it existed, had a great cameo in Billy Madison. Um, but you know, now as an adult and having 25 more years of Chris rock and the content he's put out, I would go Chris rock ultimately. But if you asked me 20 years ago, I'm going Farley. Stocks or stonks? <laughs> uh, I guess stonks. I guess I'm going stonks on this one. I don't. I didn't get in on GameStop or Dogecoin, but but I'm in on Bitcoin. I'm in on NBA Top Shot, and yeah, I signed up for all the Robinhood apps. I'm getting all their emails every single day telling me about these free stocks. Uh, but I feel like I'm a little late on the train on that, so that's why I'm trying to hop in early on Top Shot so that I don't botch it again this time. For sure. College dropout or graduation? Hmm. Wow, that's tough. I, my first thought, my first inclination is college dropout. An absolute classic. Does it sound dated now? I don't know. I haven't gone back and listened to it all the way through for a long time. I know it's a pretty, it's a pretty beefy project. It's probably like close to 20 tracks. I think graduation is probably the same. It's not, certainly graduation would have a little bit more modern sound. You know, you're going to get the old, uh, chipmunk soul back in the college dropout days but that came out when I was in college uh, I went to school outside of Chicago probably a half hour outside of Chicago so a major Kanye West release when you're in college come on it's tough to beat that I did finish college so I wasn't a college dropout he didn't inspire me that much but I did start wearing popped polos so you know half and half uh graduation though a banger as well wow I kind of want to listen to both of them now and then I'll get back to you in a week all right Eddie or the sixth man? <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, I'm going to go Eddie, but only because I haven't seen the sixth man for a while. I remember seeing the sixth man back in the day. And after that, I was convinced that 43 was like the coolest number you could wear on the basketball court. I think that's what uh, what Marlins wear during that. Uh, during that. But uh, I don't know. We, we re-watched we re Eddie six or seven months ago uh, for the podcast, you know, when uh, the NBA had shut down and there was nothing else. So we're reviewing all these basketball movies and Eddie it holds up in places. It holds up in the fact that there are Knicks fans who are very upset with their team and they want their owner to sell the team. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily hold up from the standpoint of this new owner from, I think he was from Oklahoma comes in, he buys the Knicks and he instantly wants to move the Knicks. Who's going to be moving the Knicks to Oklahoma in, in real life? Absolutely nobody. But yeah, uh, Eddie is great. Some great NBA cameos in it. And I love the last scene. It ends with everybody coming down onto the floor at Madison Square Garden. They're all convincing. Uh, whatever. I forget what that actor's name is. They're all convincing him to sell the team. And that's why I'm convinced that it's so hard. 
Wasn't Burt Reynolds the owner? Oh, was it Burt Reynolds? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, because he ha- he does a bunch of weird stuff in the movie, but I remember him wearing the cowboy boots and just dressing crazy throughout the whole film. Yeah, he uh, like uh, he rides a horse out onto the court, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of those hooves on a court, but um, I think that last scene where all the Knicks fans basically storm the court, occupy Madison Square Garden, they're saying, you got to get out of here. I think that's the reason that you can't find Eddie on any streaming services. I think that uh, I think that the Knicks brain trust is trying to keep this plan under wraps so that nobody gets any ideas and actually tries and occupy MSG. Uh, right. It's very hard to locate a copy of Eddie. So if you've got uh, VHS, if you've got a DVD, that thing's going to be valuable someday. Might have to sell it on the blockchain. <laughs> air Bud or the air up there? Oh, the air up there. Uh, I We rewatched Air Bud as well for this. And I've got two young kids. They were uh, five and probably four at the time five and three maybe depending on what the month was but uh i was like okay this would be great we'll watch air bud they'll love it they'll get to see these dog you know let's see a dog play basketball funny stuff this is a movie made for kids but the movie starts out with a clown who hates being a clown who mistreats a dog and it was like over already as soon as it started you know they're in tears seeing a clown they're like why is he being so mad to a dog why does he not want to be a clown that's hard stuff to explain to young kids right Clowns are happy. Clowns are fun. Everybody wants a dog, but they're in tears. There's also not even that much basketball in this. The big line is there's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. There's not (laughs) enough basketball. We need to see Air Bud getting that jumper up more often. There's some incredible scenes of uh, whatever the boy's name is playing pickup basketball with some awesome scenic views. He's like shooting right next to Puget Sound or whatever it is in Seattle. Some gorgeous scenery out there, but uh, Air Bud as a movie. Brutal. Air up there, though. That was a classic. Kevin Bacon, come on. My Giant or Steel? <laughs> uh, wow. I'll go Steel. I'll go Steel because it's more focused on Shaquille O'Neal. He's the star of that show, whereas George Mirosan, he's more of a sidekick uh, in My Giant. I don't think I've seen either of these since they were like released on VHS to video zone and you can rent them for two bucks for a night or whatever it is. But, um, <laughs> what a question steal my <laughs> sister, my sister loved Shaq when yeah. she was a kid. So she joined, um, like the Shaq world club or whatever, when he was in Orlando, you know, you get like a little Shaq notepad or something every day or right. every month, whatever it is. So every year, every year for Christmas, once we became adults, I'd get her like, a Kazam DVD or Steel, just in case she's like, I will never watch this. I'm like, yeah, but now you have it. Now you've got it. This is what you get for liking Shaq so much when you were a kid. Steel, Kazam though, was awful. Steel and Kazam, brutal movies. But those are the things that need to get made, right? Like we need to have some bad NBA movies out there so that uh, when we see a decent one, when we see a good performance by an NBA player in a movie, it really means something. Yeah, shout out to uh, Thunderstruck and uh, Uncle Drew. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More Shaq. More Shaq and Uncle Drew. I think yeah. it's hilarious at the end of Uncle Drew. There's like a speech that Kyrie gives. He's like, uh, he's basically like, you know, if you keep going from team to team to team, you're going to end up with no friends. I'm like, Kyrie, man, listen to what you're saying here. Listen to what you're saying. Go back and watch Uncle Drew. You got to set up somewhere and really establish yourself and uh, keep the guys around you. But uh, Uncle Drew, Uncle Drew was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Thunderstruck was. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, John Starks or Alan Houston? Next question. Next. Come on, get him out of here. I'll give me Alan Houston in that case. You know, 
John Starks made his way to the Bulls after all of uh, the rivalry between Chicago and New York. And I remember once they once that trade was made, I was like, no way am I cheering for John Starks. He only played a handful of games, whereas Allen Houston, just a smooth guy. I wish he would have stuck around in um, Detroit for a little bit. Him and Grant Hill could have been a nice combo. The jumper still looks money. They'll show him every once in a while. The guy looks like he could still be playing. He's uh, in the Knicks front office right now. So smooth. H2O, they called him. Great nickname. Allen Houston was solid. Glenn Rice or Tim Hardaway? Ooh, ooh, okay. This is tough for me. Glenn Rice, a Michigan guy. Uh, took him to the Final Four. Exciting stuff. Tim Hardaway, he's from Chicago. Uh, ultimately, though, who would I rather have on my team? I guess I'm going Tim Hardaway. He was instrumental uh, to run TMC and then obviously making the heat into a, a contending team with Alonzo Mourning, the Texas, the UTEP two-step, so quick, the Air Bacons back in the day. He had a little, little bit more ancillary stuff that was fun to, to follow along with, whereas Glenn Rice, he was basically one of the first three-point shooters out there. I think he has an all-star MVP back in the day. Probably would be an excellent NBA player today still, but uh, Glenn Rice, I wasn't hyped for Glenn Rice back in the day. Tim Hardaway highlights, though, those were money. For sure, that crossover was everything. Uh, Space Jam soundtrack or Above the Rim soundtrack? Give me the Space Jam soundtrack. Yeah, give me the Space Jam soundtrack. Just take off that one guy. (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. That's, uh, yeah, that's too bad. Uh, But, yeah, give me the Space Jam soundtrack. I think Jay-Z wrote, like, Ghost wrote a song for Bugs Bunny to rap, right? That's pretty legendary stuff. <laughs> getting, a, getting a verse from Jay-Z as a cartoon character. Uh, the Monstars Anthem with uh, the guys from Cypress Hill. A banger. Great stuff. That's a great soundtrack. Above the Rim is awesome, though, too. That's a, that's a tough call. Yeah, hit him high. And I forgot that uh, Fly Like an Eagle was on the Space Jam soundtrack. Which is oh, the SEAL version, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, one-on-one or three-on-three? Hmm. I hate them both. I'll be honest. I'm not, uh, I mean, I like to imagine myself as an ISO scorer, somebody who can go get a bucket by myself, but I don't mind getting a little setup from a teammate. It's five on five for me. Uh, outside of that, I guess I would probably go one-on-one. It's fun honing your game against somebody, but three on three can be tough because there are a lot of plays that can involve two guys, you know, a little pick and roll, a little two man game, the give and go. But that third guy's always just hanging out there, spacing the court, I guess. I guess you're just spreading the court so that there's some, some room to interact uh, down low. Uh, but the all-time worst for me is four-on-four. Four. I hate when you're playing five-on-five five for a long time. You know, you've been playing for two hours. It's the end of the night. Some guys want to keep going. Some guys got to get home. So let's, let's go one more. Let's go one more fours. Always the worst game of the night. Brutal. It's like you turn every single time. There's less guys, so you think you got a fast break. Okay, I guess we're running again. Oh, I hate it. Going from fives to fours is the worst thing you can do in pickup basketball. Marvin Gaye's National Anthem or Whitney Houston's? Two different genres. You know, Marvin Gaye really flipped the switch and changing it, changing almost the melody of it, the backing track of it. Obviously, it was not uh, very well received at the time, but it has become a classic. People aren't used to the change, especially for a song like the anthem that you've heard the same way over and over and over again. So to change it up and to come up with something that has stood the test of time, that's pretty amazing. Whereas Whitney, it's like that's the pinnacle of that version of the Star Spangled Banner. I guess, I guess give me Marvin Gaye. I like something unique like that. For sure. And one mixtape or YouTube highlight reel. 
Oh, the and one mixtape, the and one mixtape tour and the videos back in the day where you actually had to go to a store and get something to actually get this to your house, pop it in. That was like the, the, the rigmarole to actually acquire these highlights was incredible to get this tape passed to you from friend to friend with the, with the broadcasters on there. It's like, why do I remember AO, you know, bouncing the ball off guys head. Why do I remember that hot sauce's name is Philip champion. I would love to run into that guy down in the streets here in Atlanta. These are uh, players who out of nowhere became household names uh, really blew up once they added the tour. Uh, volume one still good it's on youtube i watched it recently it holds up skip to my loo some wild stuff man but i mean a youtube highlight tape it's great too that's a little different though in that these seem to be more structured games for the most part these are players who are prospects right it's like i love seeing andrew wiggins high school mixtape i wish i had never seen his high school mixtape because i still think that's the best andrew wiggins has ever looked but that's still a guy that we know is going to come to the nba the awesome thing about an and one mixtape is that this could be anybody. This could be anybody out there who happens to have some game and is able to do some cool stuff with the basketball. Um, you know, maybe in the future, they'll run it back, sort of. I don't, I don't know that we have the same pickup uh, fervor these days, but maybe that's because they're not dropping and one mixtapes. Bring back the Tai Chi and bring back the mixtapes. Yep. High school hoops or college hoops? High school. High school hoops for sure for me. Just because... I don't know. I just can't follow college basketball really uh, with doing NBA work because I'm in, I'm in the mix for the NBA every single night. So for me, seeing these high school players that I don't really have to know about for a couple of years is exciting. I've also got some buddies back home who are high school basketball coaches. So, you know, I'll get the, a little bit of four, one, one here. I knew who Taylor Horton Tucker was a couple of years before he actually made it to the NBA. My buddy was trying to recruit him to lane tech high school. It never came through, but he said, he's a nice guy. So I love it. I love seeing a uh, high school basketball. I love seeing the weird stats they'll put up. Dewan Wagner scoring a hundred in a game. Some other guy had a hundred and one the same night, put it on hoops TV. I don't know. Yeah. High school basketball, weird stuff. You'll see some completely unique players, some totally different strategies and just wild stuff that wouldn't fly at the next level. For sure. I love high school hoops. Um, the tipping point or the four agreements. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't read the four agreements only because I haven't been able to acquire it from the library. I read the tipping point back in the day, but I do like, I do like what the four agreements are. I don't have them in my head right now. I've got them written down somewhere. Cause I'm like, I got to read this book. So you tell me which is better. <laughs> I like the tipping point, but the four agreements is a, uh, it's more of like a baseline of just information that you should be carrying with you throughout your day, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but the tipping point it, I mean, I, Malcolm Gladwell is my favorite author. So, um, you know, I feel like he has the most like uh, simple, basic way to explain how life works on a lot of different levels in his like writing. And for people who want to be like uh, entrepreneurs or, you know, just uh, create anything in, in the world, like it gives you an understanding of like how to kind of cut through um whatever is going on at, in the world at that time in order to get your thing out, you know? Yeah. Um, I think he does a great job of making complex topics pretty easy to understand. And I mean, the tipping point, especially, uh, I think it was, it was important for me just learning to trust your instincts. I think that's such a huge thing that you get from that book is that, um, a lot of times your gut feeling is going to be right. Yep. 
Um, Fahrenheit 451 or To Kill a Mockingbird? <laughs> uh, tough call. Uh, I guess, I guess, I guess To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I liked that one better back in the day, but uh, I haven't revisited either recently. Right. Uh, goosebumps or Animorphs? Goosebumps. Definitely Goosebumps. Animorphs came a little bit after my time, but uh, R.L. Stein back in the day. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, Miss Doubtfire or Big Mama's House? <laughs> well, okay. For me, it's Mrs. Doubtfire, but not really for any anything to do with the movies between the two of them. One of the co-hosts on my podcast, No Dunks, Lee Ellis, is obsessed with Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, I don't think I saw Mrs. Doubtfire or Mrs. Doubtfire related humor more than two times back in the 90s. Same with Big Mama's House. You know, it, it, it was a successful movie as well. Saw it as well. But um, they both kind of passed out of my consciousness. Hey, here's movies where men dress up as the old women. Okay, these are both movies. But now Lee is obsessed with Mrs. Doubtfire. This guy watches it on every single plane ride he goes to. So I have seen so many Mrs. Doubtfire scenes and heard so much about Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm like, this is not that huge of a movie. I think this is only huge for you, but it's worn off on me. I'm a Mrs. Doubtfire fan now. It's hard to see somebody with, you know, Lee shaving do a cream on their off. face and not come out with a hello, a classic line. But uh, I guess it's a close call. But I don't know, when a grown man, when a grown 40-year-old man is obsessed with Mrs. Doubtfire, it's going to leave an impact on you. Chucky Atkins or Chuck Person? Oh, the Rifleman. The Rifleman, for sure. If you get a nickname like that, if you're one of the great shooters of all time, to the point where you're nicknamed after being a marksman, it's got to be Chuck Person. Chucky Atkins, what's his, his biggest claim to fame? I don't know if it's him or Chucky Brown that's played on like a million teams. Maybe both of them. But uh, Chuck Person, that guy was money. That guy was like, he could go toe-to-toe with Larry Bird shooting back in the day. Pretty impressive. Semi-pro or like Mike? Okay, semi-pro, semi-pro, I liked. We rewatched this as well. Um, I liked it when it came out. I liked Andre 3000 and I love the backstory of the world's first alley-oop. Hilarious scene. But rewatching this back, I'm like, I know it's the point of the character, but Will Ferrell is just such a dickhead in that movie. He's like brutal. Like this guy would be terrible to be around. And I don't know, that matters more to me now as a 36-year-old than it did as a 26-year-old. Whereas like Mike, for whatever reason, when I went on my honeymoon with my wife, that was the movie they kept showing. I saw Like Mike so many times on my honeymoon. It's always going to be a special movie to me uh, just because of how I've seen it. I think that that was the only time I've seen it, but more than once, uh, a great Dirk cameo in that one as well. There's some great NBA stuff in that. So that one's got to be a tie. Celtic Pride or Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. Um uh, a wolfman playing basketball, but it all comes down to a free throw at the end with the guy who fouled him standing underneath the basketball hoop, just staring him down. I think they should allow that in the NBA. If you're the guy who fouled somebody at the end of the game, at least you get to stand underneath the hoop and try and intimidate him while they're shooting it. Not just along the lanes, right underneath the basket. Wouldn't fly today, but uh, very weird. There's a, that's a very weird movie. Yeah, But uh, I, I liked it. We rewatched that one as well. That's good. Mac or PC? I'm a Mac guy just because it's easy and because it relates to my phone is the main thing. But uh, I mean, I grew up with PCs, switched to Mac when I started doing media stuff, which seems to happen quite a bit. And I've stuck with it since. Canada or America? 
I love them both. I love them both. I miss my friends in Canada, no doubt about it. Miss my family back in uh, Chicago as well. But I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's too tough to call right now in 2021. Supersonics or Bullets? Ooh, Supersonics. I got to go Supersonics on this one. That's the team that needs the comeback. I understand at least the impetus behind switching the name from Bullets to Wizards. It seems like forever ago that happened already, but uh, at least they still exist. You know, you still see the Wizards uniforms now look more like Bullets uniforms. Obviously, every once in a while, they'll bring back the actual striped uniforms, which look baller, but the Sonics just straight up don't exist despite having uh, an incredible history in a huge basketball city. So bring them back. Led Zeppelin or the Beatles? The Beatles, the Beatles. Everybody goes through a Led Zeppelin phase. It feels like, and that I definitely did during college, real tight pants, real long hair, not too different than now, but uh, my pants are baggier, I suppose as, but the Beatles, man, the Beatles I've been a fan of since I saw Ferris Bueller's day off and they were doing twist and shout there at the end. Or I guess it's kind of in the middle, but that's when I really first found out about the Beatles and they've kind of been my favorite band ever since. Sublime or Nirvana? Huh. That's a good question. That's Wow, yeah, that is a good question. Um, okay, back in the day, uh, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, I would certainly choose Nirvana. That's probably what I would, uh, that's, what I grew up listening to for sure. Uh, I remember being very sad finding out about Kurt Cobain while in the back of my grandma's van. Uh, but now I'm, I would probably put on a sublime song before I put on a Nirvana song, a little bit chiller vibes these days. For sure. Obama or Biden. Come on, come on, come on. Obama easily, Obama easily. This is my new, uh, part of my new plan for bringing the bulls all the way back. They look better this year. They've improved. Uh, they're in all these games, but it's still a question of this is one of the biggest markets in all of basketball in the entire NBA. Chicago, it's huge, but they cannot lure a free agent. They can't get anybody. Even back in the day, they were excited to get Carlos Boozer after striking out on Amari Stoudemire, after striking out on Chris Bosh, after striking out on Dwayne Wade, after striking out on LeBron James. Hire Obama. Have him recruit some free agents for the Chicago Bulls. They'll be back instantly. Man, that's a great idea. Um, dunks or three-pointers? Dunks. I know I work for a podcast called No Dunks. That's still the best shot in basketball. Wins start at the rim. That's why the best and most important defenders are big guys, because they stand by the basket. There's nothing easier than a dunk. A fast break one looks awesome. I love the artistry. Dunking on somebody looks incredible. A show of strength. Uh, but that's the easiest two points in basketball is a slam dunk. That's where it starts, and that's always going to be where it starts. It's always going to be most important to score in the lane. Trey Young or Trey Edwards? <laughs> uh, Trey Edwards. Ooh, boom shakalaka. The man's a legend. The man's a legend. Uh, but honestly, I think we're both just happy that there's a good Trey in the NBA, finally. Because for a while, it was like uh, Trey Thompson, I think, was the best Trey in the NBA. And it was like... Uh, oh, man. Or Trey Lyles? Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles is good. Trey Lyles is solid. Mm -hmm. um, working for yourself or working with the brand? Uh, working for yourself. Doing both. I mean, for me, it all comes down to being able to make things. I just love making stuff, whether it be a podcast, a TV show, photoshops, 
viral videos, whatever it's going to be. I just want to make things. So it's easier to make things for yourself. No doubt about it to, to kind of follow your muse of what you think is going to be hitting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, working for other people is obviously awesome. I, and working for brands is important stuff as well, but you're also beholden to what they want and they're going to be able to make the changes on stuff. Whereas if you're in it independently, completely, you're calling the shots and that's a great feeling. And the last one, guitar or bass? Uh, I guess guitar. Um, only because if you can play guitar, you can play bass guitar. True. And that's the one of the two. <sighs> Ain't nothing harder than talking about erectile dysfunction. I'm telling you. Isn't it ironic that the word hard describes the, the conversation about not being able to get hard? Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost me mojo. Or we avoid it altogether excuses like, I had a long day at work or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But when I was a kid in the movies, they would say, I have a headache. That was how they say they, they, they couldn't or did not want to have sexual relations that night by saying they had a headache. You don't need to do that. And listen to me. You do not need to do that. Because with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. Check it out. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward. It's simple. It's discreet. You don't have to worry about going to some weird office and seeing all the other people there who are waiting for God knows what. You could do it all from your home. It's real simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M today. If approved, you'll get $15 off, one five, $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash B-O-M, GetRoman.com slash B-O-M. Trey, so I'm going to jump right into this. Now, there's a photo floating around with you with cornrows. Please tell us about this. Uh, yeah, the year was the year was probably 2000. Um, you know, NSYNC and Justin Timberlake were on top of the world. Allen Iverson was on top of the world. Rashid Wallace there with the Blazers rocking the headband with the cornrows. I had them. I had them uh, twice, I think. I had straight back at the start of the basketball season. I had some zigzags a little further into the year. Uh, the kind of thing where I wasn't educated enough about the history to be wearing them, to be quite honest with you. There's no way I would today, but, you know, back when I was 17 years old, I thought it was a great idea. Who was your braider at that time? Uh, I went to, I went to one salon to get them done, um, at a mall in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, and then another one, just one of my friends from school. Cause, uh, the first time I had them done, it would have been at the beginning of the basketball season, you know, like November or something like that. So I hadn't cut my hair for a while. It was a little bit long, but I needed somebody who knew what they were doing to be able to braid my hair when it was that short by the end of the school year, by the end of the basketball season, my hair was pretty long. So almost anybody could braid it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great times. Oh, great times getting your hair braided. Weird, weird call by me. No doubt about it. Did you get clown? 
no, no. I won best hair in high school. Uh, I was kind of uh, the funky guy just in general. Um, you know, I showed up to school wearing a matching and one tracksuit on the very first day, tear away orange pants. For me to have something different than everybody else in the school was not surprising. Uh, when I think about that, that, that fit sounds amazing, by the way. But also, um, tell me about this potato launcher you made. <laughs> yeah, I grew, up, um, I grew up in a small town. I grew up like 45 minutes outside of Chicago. The town is called Plano, Illinois. Um, what we are most famous for is if you have a tackle box, it's probably a Plano molding tackle box. They also make caboodles. So it's a, it's a country kind of town. Uh, <laughs> the other thing we're known for is it's now Smallville, like in the Superman world. My hometown is Smallville. So that tells you what it's like. It's a Smallville. Ergo, you had to make your own fun during the summers. We'd have a lot of long days. You know, I played football. We'd have practice. You know, we'd go lift in the morning. We'd have practice in the morning, have a huge chunk of time off before we had to be back for the evening. So what are we going to do? Stupid country boy stuff. Like get a whole bunch of PVC pipes, glue them together, solder them together, whatever you're going to be doing. You add like a, like a grill igniter. You know, those little buttons like just shoots a spark and then you fill the chamber, the PVC chamber, you fill it with hairspray, get a ton of it in there, shove a potato in it. You press the igniter. It launches the potato as far as you can go. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, a great fun thing to do when you're 16 years old, except we did it one day. We're, we're trying to launch this potato so many times. Could not get it to launch, could not get it to launch, could not get the, the igniter to do any sort of spark or anything like that. Had a buddy just slam it down and break it. Whatever. We'll build another one some other time. We get in the van. We're getting ready to leave. Uh, arranging everything so we can get ready to go. And he accidentally hits the igniter and it shot off in the van. <laughs> we're like, whoa! Growing up the same is heating up. So loud. So, like a humongous explosion. Because obviously, hairspray is a flammable. I don't know if flammable is the right word, but it makes something that can launch a potato pretty far. And when and you're inside can, just a minivan, so. But, yeah, it was, it was wild stuff. Uh, but a potato launcher, it's fun. Just don't do it in a car. Yeah, nah, definitely kids don't try that at home. <laughs> <laughs> What's your connection to reading? For me, reading was huge. Uh, just anything I could get my hands on. I can remember loving reading my grandma's old people magazines, John Grisham books, you know, the Pelican Brief, the firm, the clients. One of my favorites when I was young was like, uh, a book just about like 50 years of baseball stories, you know, like here's how the Baltimore chop was invented. Somebody would try and hit it as hard as possible right in front of the plate and it would bounce super high and you can get to first base. Here's the story of the shot heard around the world, Bobby Thompson hitting a home run, something like that. For me, uh, growing up in a small town, being able to get my hands on books, on culture from bigger cities, from bigger places, different places was just a portal to somewhere else besides a small town where we're making potato launchers and playing paintball all day, you know, just a different world out there. And if it wasn't playing sports, if it wasn't uh, watching sports center, it was reading one of these random books. I read so much stuff that I probably wouldn't have interest in these days, but I just wanted to read, you know, I remember Mario Puzo's the Godfather was one of my favorite books back in the day as well. The, the, the novel that inspired the movie obviously. So yeah, for me, it was just reading anything I could and consuming everything I could to kind of 
deep dive on stuff that I wasn't going to be experiencing in my everyday life in Plano, Illinois. Now, this is probably something you and Jason can relate to. I've never driven a car a hundred miles per hour. What is that like? Scary, <laughs> fun. Uh, I, yeah, we, uh, like I said, I grew up in a pretty small town, especially when I was younger, there was, you know, we were under 10,000 for the population. There'd be huge cornfields. Miller road was the big, let's go fast here road, probably a half mile long, nobody coming pretty flat. So you can see what they're doing. It's like when the fast and the furious came out, the very first one, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, it was a burnout fest in the parking lot. You know, we're skidding, we're burning tires. We're going out there to see how fast we can go. It's a little scary in a 1990 Chevy Beretta. You're not sure how it's going to hold up a hundred miles an hour, uh, 10 years later, but, uh, you know, that's the sort of thing you would do when you're a child uh, when you first get your license. Cause now I'm like, I got two little girls. I'm like, if you ever drive your car a hundred miles an hour, you're never driving your car again, but I know they'll do it. That's what you do. Hey, I know you got to oh, go ahead, Jason. No, oh, yeah. I was going to say, man, you're, you're Compton. Homeboy Kendrick said on the uh on the dime song, I'm doing 105 on the 105. Like I was in the 96 Accord doing 110 on the 105, going bananas. You know what I'm saying? Like, let alone, man, I I went to Scotland a couple of years ago, and it's just nothing but just open road for like miles. So uh we rented a um, me and my girl at the time rented a, a Benz. Dude, I was doing 110 on that thing easily. Like, like what does 110 feel like, though? Why do they make it go so fast, you know? Right. Yeah, like, what they put those numbers on there? It feels good, honestly. It feels amazing. <laughs> Steering wheels all shaking like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, see, that, that would make me so anxious and paranoid, just knowing, like, the control, just shaking like that. But on like, I've, had, I've, I've had friends drive fast, but I never looked at the speedometer. And I'm just kind of just like bracing because, you know, everybody just thinks they can just drive the best anyway. But 110 miles per hour just. Well, you never been in a Porsche or nothing like that? Yeah, but nobody really just pushed it to the limit with me. Bro, if you in a Porsche, you got to drive fast. Like it's a rule. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a lot different driving a nice car fast. It gets to 100 easily. Whereas if you're in a 1990 Beretta, a 96 Accord. You're slamming it down. You're looking. You're like, we getting to 100? We getting up there? It gets a little little hairy you once you're getting like up over 90. But I mean, like, over 90 in a Porsche and a BMW feels like you're going 20 miles an hour. Okay. So maybe I have to put that on my Too bucket smooth. list. I got to get over my fear of cars again. <laughs> um, you got a pretty good sneaker collection. Um, what is your holy grail? The shoe I want the most right now would be the Lance Mountain Ones. That's a shoe that I've always wanted to track down. Remember, they made a white pair and a black pair, and they were modeled after uh, the Bones Brigade skater from Dogtown and Z-Boys. And it was like, you were supposed to get these shoes and you were supposed to wear them as often as you could so that the outside paint or marker or whatever it was, the, the white or the black that was on the outside of that was supposed to wear off. And underneath was, I think there was one red and one blue, Jordan 1. I haven't, I mean, they exist right now. You can definitely track them down, but that's an expensive shoe. They didn't make a ton of it, but uh, I loved the concept. I thought, it, I thought they looked great once they wore in. And I love the concept of you got to wear these shoes to make them look as cool as they can and to make them completely unique to you. You know, anybody could buy the shoes, but it's going to look different on every single foot because every single foot 
bends a different way and people are wearing them in different ways and using them to do different things. I thought that was such a good idea saying, Hey, we're making this super limited shoe and you're supposed to wear it. I love when Nike did that as well with um, the Tom Sachs Mars yards. Another oh, shoe. That's my holy like, grail right now. Oh yeah. Those are baller. Those are great too. And it's the same thing. It's like, they're hard to get, but once you get them, you're supposed to wear them until they fall apart. Cause they'll look super cool when they do. And they do beat up Mars yards. Look awesome. That's a fact. Jason, I never asked you that question. What's your holy grail sneaker? Uh, I think it's just the black and red fours. Um, really? Yeah, those are those have been my favorite shoes forever. And I don't even, th- bro, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I bought more than one pair in my life. I think I bought them when they were retroed in like the mid 2000s, mid to late 2000s. But they came out like two or three other times. And I didn't end up getting them. Um, those in the uh, in the black and white elevens, um, which was like that. I, I I remember I was in fourth grade. I had those shoes, and I was like literally the coolest. I went to Marcus Garvey, so it was like kind of like a nerdy school or whatever. But I was literally the coolest kid in school of all time for coming to school. Like the day those came out, and then they were retroed. And when we were in eighth grade. Um, that's when they came out with the blue, blue and white ones, the snakeskin, uh, 11s and the red and white ones too. And then they had the pink and white ones for the girls at the same time too. They had, they came out with a bunch of 11s that year, but the black and white, uh, original uh, Jordan 11s are, are my one a to the, uh, bl- black and red fours. That was the first shoe I ever pulled strings for to get was the Concord 11s. They came out my, they must've came out like 2000. October and November, right before the basketball season was dropping. Yep. So I was like, I got to go. I got to get to Foot Locker early. I got to talk to these people. I still have my pair, uh, you know, the 2011s. Uh, I'll keep those forever. They're in terrible condition. I wore them all my senior year, but a gorgeous shoe. I, and I remember even being sad in 96. My mom's like, all right, you can have a pair of shoes. You can have a pair of basketball shoes. You want the Jordans? You want the Grant Hill 2s? Pick the Grant Hill 2s. Grant Hill 2 was a great shoe. I mean, the Grant Hill 2s was a great shoe. That was great. And, you know, MJ had taken a couple of years off. He was coming back. We don't know what's going to happen, but, oh, what a regret. I was very thankful when they dropped him again four years later. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. You're not going to be seeing me in the Grant Hill 6s. Yo, 96 was such a disloyal year. I mean, 94, 95, because you're just trying to figure out if you wanted to roll with Penny or, or Grant Hill. And they were just both rocking, but you're like a Bulls fan and you're like, oh, Mike's back. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> yep. See ya. Yeah. It's so crazy because I remember that. I was right, well, many, It's bro. a question I'm that we ready. ask all our guests. Um, what advice would you give 18-year-old Trey? My advice to myself as a kid going into college would be you're not going to use your health science degree. That would be my main, my main bit of advice. You're going to college. You want to be a doctor. It's not going to happen. My junior year, I started contemplating whether I needed to transfer schools to a more creative arts sort of school because I went to a science school. Um, like I said, I wanted to be a doctor back in the day, but uh, you know, I was three years in. I'm not going to change everything up. And I, I worked in the medical field afterwards. I was working at a hospital all through college. And I mean, I'm still interested in science and health and all of the things that go along with that. But obviously, I make my money talking about basketball right now. So the advice I would have to myself going into college would be something along the lines of the most important things you're going to learn here are communicating with people, how to make things and how to write, because that's really, uh, to me, the most valuable stuff I learned was like how to actually make an argument and how to write a paper and how to create things. And 
how to network with people and befriend stuff. It's like, I got an education in health and in science, you know, I know a lot about anatomy these days, but the more important stuff that I found was how to be a person and how to be an adult. And I think that's really what you learn in college is how to be an adult, how to live by yourself, you know, how to not be with your parents all the time or how to be living at home again. So the, the non-school lessons I thought were more important for me. Sweet, man. Thank you so much, Trey, for joining us, man. You know, this has been a pleasure. Definitely love when, you know, Jason does the one or the twos because he, he gets some interesting answers every time. Yeah, and I think that you gave, outside of Waz, who we had on previously, you gave some good answers. I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all, for having me on. It took us a while to actually make it happen, but I think it was worth the wait. For sure, 100%. Growing up the same wins the game. <laughs>